0: Chapter 3. Book 3. Of Rookwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Paul Curran. Rookwood by William Harrison Ainsworth. Book 3. Chapter 3. Sybil. The wiving vine that round the friendly elm Twines her soft limbs and weaves a leafy mantle, For her supporting lover dares not venture To mix her humble boughs with the embraces Of the more lofty cedar. Glapthorn, Albertus Wallenstein Beneath the mouldering wall, Whither they had strayed to be free from interruption, And upon a carpet of the greenest moss sat sybil and her lover with eager curiosity she listened to his tale he recounted all that had befallen him since his departure he told her of the awful revelations of the tomb of the ring that like a talisman had conjured up a thousand brilliant prospects of his subsequent perils his escapes his rencontre with lady rookwood his visit to his father's body and his meeting with his brother all this she heard with a cheek now flushed with expectation now made pale with apprehension, with palpitating bosom and suppressed breath. But, when taking a softer tone, love, affection, happiness inspired the theme, and Luke sought to paint the bliss that should be theirs in his new estate, when he would throw his fortune into her lap, his titles at her feet, and bid her wear them with him, when, with ennobled hand and unchanged heart, he would fulfil the troth plighted in his outcast days, in lieu of tender, grateful acquiescence, the features of Sibyl became overcast, the soft smile faded away, and the spring sunshine is succeeded by the sudden shower, the light that dwelt in her sunny orbs grew dim with tears. "'Why, why is this, dear Sibyl?' said Luke, gazing upon her in astonishment, not unmingled with displeasure. "'To what am I to attribute these tears? You do not surely regret my good fortune?' "'Not on your account, dear Luke,' returned she, sadly. "'The tears I shed were for myself, the first, the only tears I have ever shed for such a cause, "'and,' added she, raising her head like a flower surcharged with moisture, "'they shall be the last.' "'This is inexplicable, dear Sybil. "'Why should you lament for yourself, if not for me?' "'Does not the sunshine of prosperity that now shines upon me gild you with the same beam? "'Did I not even now affirm that the day that you saw me enter the hall of my forefathers "'should dawn upon our espousals?' "'True, but the sun that shines upon you to me wears a threatening aspect. "'The day of those espousals will never dawn. "'You cannot make me the Lady of Rookwood.' "'What do I hear?' exclaimed Luke." Surprise at this avowal of his mistress, sadly and deliberately delivered, "'Not wed you? And wherefore not? Is it the rank I have acquired, or hope to acquire, that displeases you? Speak, that I may waste no further time in thus pursuing the shadows of happiness, while the reality fleets from me.' "'And are they shadows? And is this the reality, dear Luke? Question your secret soul, and you will find it otherwise.' "'You could not forgo your triumph. "'It is not likely. "'You have dwelt too much upon the proud title "'which will be yours to yield it to another "'when it may be won so easily. "'And above all, when your mother's reputation "'and your own stained name may be cleared by one word, "'breathed aloud, would you fail to utter it? "'No, dear Luke. "'I read your heart. "'You would not. "'And if I could not forgo this,' Wherefore is it that you refuse to be a sharer in my triumph? Why will you render my honours valueless when I have acquired them? You love me not. Not love you, Luke. Approve it, then. I do approve it. Bear witness to the sacrifice I am about to make of all my hopes at the shrine of my idolatry to you. Bear witness the agony of this hour. Bear witness the horror of the avowal that I can never be yours. As Luke Bradley, I would joyfully... "'Oh, how joyfully have been your bride, a salute Rookwood!' "'And she shuddered as she pronounced the name. "'I can never be so.' "'Then, by heaven, Luke Bradley, will I remain. "'But wherefore, wherefore not, a Salute Rookwood?' "'Because,' replied Sybil, with reluctance, "'because I am no longer your equal.' The gypsy's low-born daughter is no mate for Sir Luke Rookwood. Love cannot blind me, dear Luke. It cannot make me other than I am. It cannot exalt me in my own esteem, nor in that of the world which you, alas, too soon will mingle, and which will regard me even as, no matter what. It shall not scorn me as your bride. I will not bring shame and reproach upon you. Oh, if for me, dear Luke, the proud ones of the earth were to treat you with contumely, this heart would break with agony. For myself, I have pride sufficient, perchance too much, perchance tis pride that actuates me now. I know not, but for you I am all weakness, as you were heretofore. I would have been to you the tenderest and truest wife that ever breathed, as you are now. Hear me, Sybil. Hear me out, dear Luke. One other motive there is that determines my present conduct, which, were all else surmounted, would in itself suffice. Ask me not what it is. I cannot explain it. For your own sake, I implore you, be satisfied with my refusal. What a destiny is mine! exclaimed Luke, striking his forehead with his clenched hand. No choice is left me. Either way, I destroy my own happiness. On the one hand stands love. On the other, ambition, yet neither will conjoin. "'Pursue, then, ambition,' said Sybil, energetically. "'If you can hesitate, forget that I have ever existed, "'forget you have ever loved, "'forget that such a passion dwells within the human heart, "'and you may still be happy, though you are great.' "'And do you deem,' replied Luke, with frantic impatience, "'that I can accomplish this, "'that I can forget that I have loved you, "'that I can forget you? "'Cost what it will, "'the effort shall be made, "'yet by our former love I charge you to tell me "'what has wrought this change in you. "'Why do you now refuse me?' "'I have said you are Sir Luke Rookwood,' "'returned Sybil, "'with painful emotion. "'Does that name import nothing?' "'Imports it aught of ill. "'To me... "'everything of ill. It is a fated house. Its line are all predestined.' "'To what?' demanded Luke. "'To murder,' replied Sybil, with solemn emphasis. "'To the murder of their wives. Forgive me, Luke, if I have dared to utter this. Yourself compelled me to it.' Amazement, horror, wrath kept Luke silent for a few moments. Starting to his feet, he cried, "'And can you suspect me of a crime so foul?' "'think you because I shall assume the name "'that I shall put on the nature likewise of my race? "'Do you believe me capable of aught so horrible?' "'Oh, no, I believe it not. "'I am sure you would not do it. "'Your soul would reject with horror such a deed. "'But if fate should guide your hand, "'if the avenging spirit of your murdered ancestors "'should point to the steel, "'you could not shun it then. "'In heaven's name, to what do you allude?' "'To a tradition of your house,' replied Sybil. Listen to me, and you shall hear the legend. And with a pathos that produced a thrilling effect upon Luke, She sang the following ballad. The legend of the Lady of Rookwood. Grim Ranulth home hath at midnight come From the long wars of the roses, And the squire who waits at his ancient gates At secret dark discloses, To that valet's words, No response accords his lord, but his visage stern. Grows ghastly white in the wan moonlight, And his eyes like the lean wolf's burn. To his lady's bower, at that lonesome hour, Unannounced, is Sir Ranulph gone. Through the dim corridor, through the hidden door, He glides, she's all alone. Full of holy zeal doth his young dame kneel At the meek Madonna's feet. Her hands are pressed on her gentle breast, and upturned is her aspect sweet. Beats Ranulph's heart with a joyful start as he looks on her guiltless face, and the raging fire of his jealous ire is subdued by the words of grace. His own name shares her murmured prayers, more freely can he breathe. But ah, that look, why doth he pluck his poniard from his sheath? On a footstool thrown lies a costly gown of say and of Minerve a mantle fair for the dainty wear of a miniard cavalier, and on it flung to a bracelet hung a picture meets his eye. By my father's head, Grim Ranulph said, false wife thy end draws nigh. From off its chain hath the fierce knight tain that fond and fatal pledge. His dark eyes blaze, no word he says, thrice gleams his dagger's edge. Her blood it drinks, and as she sinks his victim hears his cry, For kissed impure, of paramour, Adulterous dost thou die. Silent he stood, with hands in brooding gore, And a glance of fame, And thus her plaint, in accents faint, Made his ill-fated dame. Kind heaven can tell, that all too well, I've loved thee, cruel lord, But now with hate commensurate, Assassin, thou'rt abhorred. I've loved thee long, through doubt and wrong, I have loved thee and no other, and my love was pure for my paramour. For alas, he was, my brother. The red red rose on thy banner glows, on his pennon gleams the white. And the bitter feud that ye both have rued, forbid ye to rekind. My bower he sought, what time he thought, thy jealous vassal slept. Of joy we dreamed and never deemed that watch those vassals kept, and hour flew by too speedily. That picture was his boon. Ah, little thrift to me that gift, He left me all too soon. Were worth the hour, dark fates did lower, When our hands were first united. For my heart's firm truth, mid tears and ruth, With death hast thou requited. In prayer sincere, full many a year, Of my wretched life I've spent. But to hell's control would I give my soul, To work thy chastisement. THESE WILD WORDS SAID, logged ROOT TO HEAD, AND Ranulph's LIFE-BLOOD froze, FOR THE EARTH DID GAPE, AS AN AWFUL SHAPE, FROM OUT ITS DEATHS AROSE. THY PRAYER IS HEARD, HELL HATH CONCURRED, CRIED THE FIEND, THY SOUL IS MINE, LIKE FATE MAY DREAD, EACH DAME SHALL WED WITH Ranulph OR HIS LINE, WITHIN THE TOMB, TO WAIT HER DOOM IS THAT HAPLESS LADY SLEEPING, AND ANOTHER BRIDE, BY Ranulph's SIDE, THROUGH THE LIVELONG NIGHT, IS WEEPING. This dame declines, a third repines, and fades like the rest away. Her lot she rue's, whom a ruckard woos, cursed is her wedding day. "'And this is the legend of my ancestress?' said Luke, as Sybil's strains were ended. "'It is,' replied she. "'An idle tale,' observed Luke, moodily. "'Not so,' answered Sybil. "'Has not the curse of blood clung to all your line? "'Has it not attached to your father?' "'to Sir Reginald, Sir Ralph, Sir Ranulph, to all, which of them has escaped it? "'And when I tell you this, dear Luke, when I find you bear the name of this accursed race, "'can you wonder if I shudder at adding to the list of victims of that ruthless spirit, "'and that I tremble for you? "'I would die for you willingly, but not by your hand. "'I would not by that blood which I would now pour out for you as freely as water "'should rise up in judgment against you. "'For myself I have no tears.' you, a thousand. My mother, upon her deathbed, told me I should never be yours. I believed her not, for I was happy then. She said that we should never be united. Or, if united. What, in heaven's name? That you would be my destroyer. How could I credit her words then? How can I doubt them now when I find you at our Rookwood? And think not, dear Luke, that I am ruled by selfish fears in this resolution. To renounce you may cost me my life, but the deed will be my own. You may call me superstitious, credulous. I have been nurtured in credulity. It is the faith of my fathers. There are those, methinks, who have an insight into futurity, and such boding words have been spoken, that they may be true or false. I will not risk their fulfillment in my person. I may be credulous, I may be weak, I may be erring, but I am steadfast in this. Bid me perish at your feet, and I will do it. I will not be your fate. I will not be the wretched instrument of your perdition. I will love, worship, watch, serve, perish for you, but I'll not wed you. Exhausted by the vehemence of her emotion, she would have sunk upon the ground had not Luke caught her in his arms. Pressing her to his bosom, he renewed his passionate protestations, Every argument was unavailing. Sibyl appeared inflexible. "'You love me as you have ever loved me,' said she, at length. "'A thousandfold more fervently,' replied Luke. "'Put it to the test.' "'How, if I dare to do so, consider well, I may ask too much. "'Name it. "'If it be not to surrender to you by my mother's body, I will obey you.' "'I would propose an oath.' Ha! A solemn, binding oath that, if you wed me not, you will not wed another. Ha! Do you start? Have I appalled you? I start. I will take it. Hear me, by—hold! exclaimed a voice behind them. Do not forswear yourself! And immediately afterwards the sexton made his appearance. There was a malignant smile upon his countenance. The lovers started at the ominous interruption. Begone! "'Cried Luke. "'Take not that oath,' said Peter, "'and I leave you. "'Remember the counsel I gave you on our way hither? "'What counsel did he give you, Luke?' inquired Sybil eagerly of her lover. "'We spoke of you, fond girl,' replied Peter. "'I cautioned him against the match. "'I knew not your sentiments, "'or I had spared myself the trouble. "'You have judged wisely. "'Were he to wed you, ill would come of it, "'but he must wed another.' "'Must!' cried Sybil, her eyes absolutely emitting sparkles of indignation from their night-like depths, and, unsheathing as she spoke the short poniard which she wore at her girdle, she rushed towards Peter, raising her hand to strike. "'Must wed another! And dare you counsel this!' "'Put up your dagger, fair maiden!' said Peter calmly. "'Had I been younger, your eyes might have had more terrors for me than your weapon. "'As it is, I am proof against both.' "'You would not strike an old man like myself, and of your lover's kin.' "'Sibyl's uplifted hand fell to her side. "'Tis true,' continued the sexton. "'I dared to give him this advice, and when you have heard me out, "'you will not, I am persuaded, think me so unreasonable as at first I may appear to be. "'I have been an unseen listener to your converse. "'Not that I desire to pry into your secrets. "'Far from it. "'I overheard you by accident.' I applaud your resolution, but if you are inclined to sacrifice all your lover's weal, do not let the work be incomplete. Bind him not by oaths which he will regard as spider's webs to be burst through at pleasure. You see, as well as I do, that he is bent on being Lord of Rookwood, and, in truth, to an aspiring mind such a desire is natural, is praiseworthy. It will be pleasant, as well as honourable, to efface the stain cast upon his birth.' It will be an act of filial duty in him to restore his mother's good name, and I, her father, laud his anxiety on that score. Though, to speak the truth, fair maid, I am not so rigid as your nice moralists in my view of human nature, and can allow a latitude to love which their nicer scruples will not admit. It will be a proud thing to triumph over his implacable foe, and this he may accomplish without marriage, interrupted Sybil angrily. True, returned Peter, yet not maintain it, may win it, but not wear it. You have said truly the house of Rookwood is a fated house, and it hath been said likewise, that if he wed not one of his own kindred, if that Rook mate not with the Rook, his possession shall pass away from his hands. Listen to this prophetic quatrain. When the stray Rook shall perch on the topmost bough, there shall be clamour and screeching, I trow, but of right to... A rule of the ancient nest, The rook that with rook mates Shall hold him possessed. You hear what these quaint rhymes say. Luke is, doubtless, the stray rook, And a fledgling hath flown hither From a distant country. He must take her to his mate, Or relinquish her and the ancient nest To his brother. For my own part, I disregard such sayings. I have little faith in prophecy and divination. I know not what Eleanor Mowbray, For she is so-called, can have to do with the tenure of the estates of Rookwood. But if Luke Rookwood, after he has lauded it for a while in splendour, be cast forth again in rags and wretchedness, let him not blame his grandsire for his own want of caution. "'Luke, I implore you, tell me,' said Sybil, who had listened, horror-stricken, to the sexton, shuddering, as it were, beneath the chilly influence of his malevolent glance. "'Is it true?' "'Does your fate depend upon Eleanor Mowbray? "'Who is she? "'What has she to do with Rookwood? "'Have you seen her? "'Do you love her?' "'I've never seen her,' replied Luke. "'Thank heaven for that!' cried Sybil. "'Then you love her not!' "'How were that possible?' returned Luke. "'Do I not say I have not seen her?' "'Who is she, then?' "'This old man tells me she's my cousin, "'she's betrothed to my brother Ranulph. "'How?' ejaculated Sibyl. "'And would you snatch his betrothed from your brother's arms? "'Would you do him this grievous wrong? "'Is it not enough that you must wrest from him that which he has long deemed his own? "'And if he has falsely deemed it so, it will not make his loss the less bitter. "'If you do thus wrong your brother, do not look for happiness, "'do not look for respect, for neither will be your portion. "'Even this stony-hearted old man shrinks aghast at such a deed. "'His snake-eyes are buried on the ground. "'See!' I have moved even him. And in truth, Peter did appear, for an instant, strangely moved. Tis nothing,' returned he, mastering his emotion by a strong effort. "'What is all this to me? "'I never had a brother. "'I never had aught, wife, child, or relative that loved me. "'And I love not the world, nor the things of the world, "'nor those that inhabit the world. "'But I know what sways the world and its inhabitants, "'and that is self, and self-interest. Let Luke reflect on this. The key to Rookwood is Eleanor Mowbray, the hand that grasps hers grasps those lands, thus saith the prophecy. "'It is a lying prophecy. It was uttered by one of your race.' "'By whom?' "'By Barbara Lovell,' said Peter, with a sneer of triumph. "'Ha! Heed him not!' exclaimed Luke. "'as Sybil recoiled at this intelligence. "'I'm yours.' "'Not mine, not mine!' shrieked she. "'But, oh, not hers!' "'Whither go you?' cried Luke, "'as Sybil, half-bewildered, tore herself from him. "'To Barbara Lovell!' "'I will go with you. "'No, let me go alone. "'I have much to ask her. "'Yet tarry not with this old man, dear Luke, "'or close your ears to his crafty talk. "'Avoid him. Ah, oh, I'm sick at heart. "'Follow me not. "'I implore you. "'Follow me not!' and with distracted air she departed amongst the mouldering cloisters, leaving Luke stupefied with anguish and surprise. The sexton maintained a stern and stoical composure. "'She is a woman, after all,' muttered he. All her high-flown resolves melt like snow in the sunshine at the thought of a rival. "'I congratulate you, grandson Luke. You are free from your fetters.' "'Free?' echoed Luke. "'Quit my sight! I loathe to look upon you.' You have broken the truest heart that ever beat in woman's bosom. Tut-tut, returned Peter. It is not broken yet. Wait till we hear what old Barbara has got to say, and meanwhile we must arrange with Dick Turbin the price of that certificate. The knave knows its value well. Come, be a man. This is worse than womanish. And at length he succeeded, half by force and half by persuasion, in dragging Luke away with him. End of chapter three, book three.